Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. God bless you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Oh, I worship you tonight, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I feel like, you know, when you tell a kid to do something and they just go with the heels in the floor, I feel like I have to repent because <laughs> I do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, a few, probably two and a half, three weeks ago, pastor said to me, uh, will you share? I'm going to be out of town. But in the morning, let me tell the story from the beginning. I was at school and I usually carry a little book with me and I just read something before my day gets hectic. And I had just read this little book, Plead Your Case. I'm sure some of you have seen it, have read it. And I just feel I always have such a passion for the word, the word, because the word works. So, you know, I love praise and worship. I love to be in the presence of God. But, but I know the only thing that will fight my battles is the word. You see, it's, it's that sword of the spirit. It's that full armor of God. So I just was going to put my little book in the drawer. So I opened the drawer and I put it down. And I said, well, you know, someday I'm going to preach on that. And yeah, I'll be a fool if God didn't ask me that night. Pastor Mark says, could you share it tonight? I said, I can't say no. <laughs> so here we are. So I'm not going to share any new revelation. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to give you some basic principles. The Bible says not to forget those things that, you know, the, the basic oracles. So we're going to look at some basic things today and you can do your check mark as we go. Okay. Uh, this book was about pleading your case. I mean, if we're not pleading our case Sunday morning, some of us are really pleading our case, right? We are before the throne and we are constantly bombarding heaven. So I used that book to start and kind of added my own stuff, put my two cents in there. So he starts in the book talking about, he says, pleading our case. Okay, and he brings before us in Genesis 18, the first person he brings is uh, Abraham. Okay, and Abraham was praying in here. And, you know, praying is just joining forces with God. We're just teaming up. Okay, and uh, he starts by talking, you know, the Lord is there in the way to get Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment always comes. I mean, it may not look like it, but I tell you, judgment always comes. So repent before in case. So he says in, in the verse 17, the Lord says, he hadn't told Abraham what he was about to do. And he said, shall I hide from Abraham? That thing which I am about to do, gosh, I wish God thinks like that about me. And he says, man, can I, do I, can I do this without sharing it with Myrna? I don't know if he'll do that, but I hope he does think like that, right? And uh, in the verse 13, he says, for I know him. Oh, is that not sweet that God says, for I know him? And I hope he thinks like that about all of us. He says, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Mind, that's a no pressure. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. 
And then moving to the verse 23 where I have the scriptures, he says, And Abraham drew near and he said, he's talking to the Lord. The Lord says, I'm on the way. The verse, you know, he says, I'm going through Sodom and I'm going to destroy that place. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord and he said, he drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Ah, Pre-adventure, there be 50 righteous in there, Lord. Would you still destroy Sodom? It has 50, you know? And God, you know, the next verse he tells him, I'm going to kind of paraphrase. He says, well, if there's 50 in there, you know, I, I won't do it. So then Abraham goes back and he says, hmm, uh, that be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be the, as the wicked. Thou be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I wouldn't dare to talk like God to God like that, but Abraham did. And then if you keep moving to the verse, um, verse 28, he says, okay, he says, okay, if there's 50, I'm not, uh-uh. Then he says, pre-adventure, there shall be five. You know, do you like five of the 50? In other words, 45 of them. Will you still destroy the land? And again, God says, well, there's 45. You know, I'm not. But he didn't stop there. Then he kept going. Because, you know, I think he really knew there might be two of them, two righteous in Sodom. But he keeps going and he said, hmm, not let the Lord be angry, but pre-adventure that there will be 30 of them. Would you destroy the land? And the Lord says again, well, you know, nah. and he keeps going. Pre-adventure, there's 10. He goes in the verse 32. Would you destroy it? And he says, I will not destroy it for 10 sake. And you know who can do that? Who can stand before God and say, Lord, let's stop here. Let's talk about this. Only somebody who knows his covenant rights. Only somebody who knows the book and can stand up and says, okay, dear father, right here in Second Chronicles, such and such, it says, father, this is what your word says. The Bible says he puts his word above his name. Abraham knew that. Abraham was a covenant man. And if we're going to plead our case, we're going to have to be covenant people. We're going to have to know our covenant rights. Because I cannot plead my case. I cannot go to the court if I, with a lawyer that don't know nothing about law. And he's going to try to defend me and he knows nothing. That wouldn't work, right? Well, that's the same in the kingdom. Because the devil is going to come. He knows more than you about the word. Because he's been around longer than you. So if you let him, he'll tell you what to believe. He will steal, kill, and destroy from you because you don't know your covenant rights. And you can't go before the Father and argue the case, which I'm getting ahead. I told you, I've been meditating on this for three weeks. Moses, another one. But before that, it says in here, there are others in the Old Testament, okay, in the Old Covenant who understood that it, what took place with their covenant, to be covenant people. We have Joshua. The sun and the moon stood still just for Joshua. We have Elijah. Fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. We have David. David had mighty men of valors with him. And they were all safe as long as they did what? Stay on their covenant. As long as they did what was right. Then moving to Moses. Moses, Moses. 
another man that was a covenant man, a man that knew his rights in order to plead his case. He couldn't plead the case unless you knew the covenant. Uh, if we go to Exodus 32, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, this is after he was up in the mountain and the people were doing their own thing. And he says, go get thee down for thy people. That's the Lord talking to Moses. He says, thy people, which thou brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I command them. They have made them a molten calf, and it keeps going. And in verse 9, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen these people. Whoop. He says, It is a stiff-necked people. And therefore, leave me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, with, uh, consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. This is God speaking. This is God. This is not the neighbor. This is not a priest. This is not a king. This is God speaking. We think of God, oh, little God walking with the little angels and the little wings and floating around. That is not true. That's not. I mean, he is a loving God. Okay? He says, and Moses, then we get to the verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot? against thy people they're not my people they're your people so if these people are messing up they're back to your people so he starts arguing with God I don't know about that but he says which you you're not me you brought them out of the land of Egypt it wasn't me so don't go there he says out of the land of Egypt with great power you brought them out with power with might with a great hand you show off in other words he says, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains? They're going to talk bad about you, is what he's saying. And to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of the evil against thy, thy people. He goes back to say, he's arguing his case. He's going before the Lord. He's a covenant man. He knows his right. And he says, God, they're not my people. They're yours. You brought them out of Egypt. You are the one who they're going to talk about. They're not going to say Moses. They're going to say they're God. And he says then in the next verse, and then he goes back to the covenant. He says, remember, oh God, remember Abraham. Remember Isaac and Israel, thy servants. He's bringing back his covenant people. Oh, remember them to whom thou swearest. You swear thine own self. And you said unto them, I will multiply your seed. Okay. As the stars in heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give unto your seed. And they shall inherit it forever. That's what you promised. That's what you said. Like you tell our kids, that's what you said. And then in the next verse, he says, and the Lord repented of the evil. Isn't that a covenant, man? I want to do that. I want to be able to stand before God and say, well, Father, your word says. I want to be able to do, you know, to fight the battle, knowing exactly what my covenant rights are. He says that repentance means by implication to be sorry. God was sorry. 
But he had a covenant, and he couldn't break that covenant. He couldn't. He was bound by that covenant. And it says in the verse in Exodus 33, I didn't pull that one. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, because Moses was a covenant man. He says, he speaketh unto him like a friend. Moses was God's friend. It says, and then Moses, Moses was bold. He told him in Exodus 33, 15, if your presence does not go with me, do not lead us up from here. That's as far as Moses got before God because he knew his covenant rights, because he knew what, what, what the, the law says, and he knew how to stand before God and speak his case before the Lord. And then he says in Exodus 34, 9, and he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, this is a true intercessor too, <laughs> you know? He says, oh, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. He said, don't destroy your people. Come with us. Come with us, he says. For it is a stiff-necked people. Yeah, they are stiff-necked. Yeah, we all know that. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. But only a man who knows their covenant with God, who knows their rights, can do that. If you don't know that, it's going to walk all over you. The devil might be eating your lunch right now. So you have to know. Uh, then uh, I'm going to move into, whoops, I don't want to mess up my pages. Yep. I put numbers though. It says, okay. So I usually bring this scripture because I don't know why I'm always stuck on it. You know, so we see there's covenant people. We saw two examples of two of them that are able to plead their claims. They're able to stand before God, but they both knew. You have to know your word to be able to do that. And in Exodus 22, 30, it says that, you know, God is always, always looking for a man. God is always looking for somebody. He's, he's not picky. He just wants you to love him with all your heart, to serve him, to do what is right. And if you do that, you're going to be blessed. So, I mean, it's a win-win on both sides. But in Exodus 32, 30, he says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I shall not destroy it. But I found none. But look at the scripture. It says, I sought for a man among them. God is looking for a man among us for Valdosta. Because Valdosta needs a man that will stand in the gap, that will make up the hedge for Valdosta. But he looked for a man among them. He didn't go outside of the town. And then he says that he should make the hedge, that he will put the fence, that he will put boundaries. God was looking. He, he didn't want it to destroy the people. And that's even today. God don't, he wishes that none should perish, but all come to repentance. But he needs a man that will stand in the gap, a man that knows his covenant rights, a man that knows what the word says and will stand in the gap and will make up the hedge. He says that will make up the hedge, that will stand in the gap before me for this land, so I will not destroy. But I found none. Is God going to say that today of us? I hope not. I hope not. I looked in, uh, this is in the, where is it? In the Adams Clark commentary, it reads pretty interesting. It says that, that verse 30, it says that I sought 
for a man. I saw that there was a grievous breach. And that word in there, grievous, means that there was painful. It was something painful. There was a grievous breach made in the moral state and the feeling of the people. I think I'm reading the newspaper right now of today. It doesn't feel that this happened so many years back. It's like today. There's a grievous breach. There's people hurting. There's people out there. He says, a grievous breach. He says, uh, the feelings of the people. And I sought for a man that will stand in the gap, that will faithfully exhort. God is looking for a man for Valdosta that will exalt, that will reprove, where reproof is needed. Not everything is a sugar coat. And counsel with all long suffering and doctrine. That time he found none. Will he not find none now for Valdosa? Okay. Then, if I miss my page, here it is. Uh, As I followed the book, he was talking about, he gave examples about people that stand in the gap, people that, you know, plead their case. And then we see a challenge from God. And the challenge from God comes in Isaiah 43, verse 25, 26. God challenges us to come before him. He says, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions for my own sake. Isn't that what we were singing today? And will not remember thy sins. You know, the enemy takes a lot of people out just because they don't know how to forgive themselves. Once you went before God and you said, Lord, I did this. I know I messed up. Cry, weep, do whatever you got to do, but then it's over. Then you move on. Because if you go back to God, he's going to say, what are you talking about? I don't know nothing. All I see you is covered under the blood, clean, white as snow. There's no sin. I don't see any backtrack. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What are you talking about? And then he says, oh, put me in remembrance. God says, come on, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. God wants you to go to him. And, you know, even at the kids at school, I don't know what that stupid rule. Go talk to Miss McCall for the stupid rule. You know, go argue before her. Bring your stuff. But God says the same. You know, come on, put me in remembrance of my words. Plead. The plead means to give your case. This is the case, Father. This is what's going on. Then he says, declare. That's the next step. He says, put me in remembrance. Then we're going to plead together back and forth. This is what your word says, like Moses did, like Abraham did. Hey, you said you were your people. You pulled them out with mighty miracles and signs and wonders. And then he says, you're going to declare. You're going to make it known. You're going to make it manifest. He says, thou, that thou may be justified. Oh, Praise God. You know, and this is all the old covenant. What do you think happens when we have a covenant that is established upon better promises? Like Chase Tolo remind us on Sunday, it's established upon better promises. I don't have to kill any goats any of that stuff. Even though when I went to Kingdom Institute, Pastor Kayla told us every time we see that blood, we got to remember that it was love. 
So I try to change my mind, renew my mind to love. But it's very gross, you know, to think on that. Okay. Then uh, I just want to talk about that new covenant for a minute. Because if you are going to walk with God, you need to know your covenant. And I'm going to go to the Passion Translation. Where in Hebrew, they explain to us, Hebrews 8, 6, it talks about the new covenant. He says, but now Jesus, the Messiah, he says, has accepted a priestly ministry which far surpasses since he is the catalyst. Ooh, and I look at the word catalyst because my Spanglish gets in the way. Catalyst means an agent that provokes or spits significant change or action. Ooh, so Jesus is the one that spits up that sparks the significant change of things of a better covenant, which contains far more promises, <laughs> far more promises, uh, wonderful promises. For if that first covenant has been faultless, no one will have needed the second one. But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first when he said to his people, look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and by giving them a new covenant. It will be an entirely different covenant. Keeps going. He says, for they did not remain faithful to my covenant. That's talking. I don't want to take a lot because I saw the time. He says in verse 10, for here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people. So the covenant that we have today Okay, that I'm sure Abraham, Isaac, Jacob will have loved to live in our day. Oh, I know they will have. He says, I will embed my loss. And that word embed means deposit. He's going to deposit his loss in us. He says, within their thoughts. And you know, if you talk to people that are sinners, they know they're wrong. They know it. You don't have to tell them you're a sinner. They know it. You just got to tell them Jesus loves you. Come on. That's what we have to tell them. He says, with their thoughts and fasten them unto their hearts. He's going to fix them there. I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. That's the new covenant on better promises. Okay? That is that new covenant. Okay? And now I'm going to move on one thing. Okay? Uh, God wants us to stand on his word. Okay, so I told you. Now, look in uh, Psalms 45, 11. So we know that God wants us to go before him. He wants us to bring the word. He says, put me in remembrance of my word. Okay, and in Isaiah 45, 11, it says, uh, for Isaiah, Isaiah, it's my Isaiah. His psalms. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hand. You know, God is still calling us to go before him. He wants us to go. He says, come to me. Okay. Concerning the works of my hand. He says, commend ye me. Does that mean that I am arrogant and I said, ah, this, this, this? No, I go to God like we are co-workers together. We labor together. So he says, come, come on. When there's a hurricane coming by, come on, come on, let's work together. 
command ye the works of my hands. He says in here, John, and that goes right in line with John 15. He says, if you abide in me, if you make your house in me, because how can I command his hands if I don't know his word? How can I command him when I don't know what he can do? That he can deliver my son from drugs. That he can pay my rent this month. That I don't have a house to go to. And he's going to provide a place for me to sleep. Huh? How is he going to know that? How am I going to know that he's going to promote? How can I command that if I don't know it? I've got to know what the book says. Then he says in here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. I look at that word. The word in there is the word rhema. So in order, okay, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide, it means they remain. They're always there. You know, abiding is where I live in here. I don't visit. I live in here. So he says, there's going to be a rhema. My words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But you know what? God is only obligated to keep his word. He's not moved by your crying. I am sorry that you lost this or you don't have a home. But if you don't use the word, you have God with the hands tied down and he cannot help you. You have to know the word. If you don't hear anything tonight from what I said, you have to know the word. That's the only thing I want you to remember. If you're going to plead your case before God, you've got to know the book. Nothing is going to hold you. I left Puerto Rico in, oh, Jesus, it's been a lot of years. With my two girls, I was going to Bible college. You know, the only thing I had, the word. Because I knew God told me to go. I had to go to court to get permission to bring the two kids. And they were so crazy. And they said, yes. The judge says, I don't see anything wrong. Thinking, I don't have a job. I don't have a place to move. But he doesn't see anything wrong. Well, praise God. He says, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I had the word, and the word has sustained me since 1984 till today. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. I went to Bible college. I raised my five, six kids alone. Sorry. Okay. God is faithful, but you got to know the book to plead your case. Okay. Then I'm trying to do a shorter version so we can finish. The word. Now, Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, 12, okay? Well, let me start with this. I'm sorry. Isaiah 55, 11. It says, so shall my word be. Not your word. You don't care, right? We established it's not your word. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It is not going to return void. <laughs> void meaning empty-handed. When his word goes out, out of his mouth, it's not going to return empty-handed. If it's coming empty-handed, seek God. I must be messing it up somewhere, not God. It's me because he's not messing it up. He says, those I return void, but it shall accomplish. It is going to do exactly that which I please. He says, I please. Not what you please, but it's going to do what I please. That means 
what I take delight in. That's what that word please means. He says, whatever I take delight in, that's what it's going to do. And in the thing where I send it. But it says, and it shall prosper. The word prosper in the Hebrew means to break forth, to rush. So when God here sends that word, it's supposed to quickly break forth. It's supposed to rush to do what you need it because he is a good father. Uh, he is a good father. He says in the Amplified, such are my word be. I would love to put the three together. The Amplified reads like this. Out of my mouth, it shall not return void without producing any effect. Useless. His word is not useless. He said, if it comes out of my mouth, it's not useless. It is not. Okay. He says, but it shall accomplish which I please and purpose. When God speaks, there's a purpose for what he's saying. And then it says the message, the last part of the message says, they, uh, they'll do the work I send them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. His word, it don't matter how long it takes. His word will bring the result that you need. It, it, it's going to do it. It's going to do it. I want you to be encouraged today. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what you're standing on for. It's going to work. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. But I'm telling you, his word works. It's his timing. I can't give you that. The Lord watches over his word. If we go to Jeremiah 1.12, says, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten. Isn't that good? He will hasten. He's not just doing it. He says, I will hasten my word to perform it. He is a good daddy. Maybe you didn't have a good earthly daddy. But I'm telling you, he is a good daddy. He is. He's watching over his word. Remember, not yours. It also says in a fast speed that all heavens backs you up. Okay? Because he says that his angels hearken unto the voice of his word. And that word hearken in the Greek, it means it's, it's giving the connotation of hearken. It is listening with obedience. Those angels hear and it's not that oh, I just heard it too. It was nice. No, they hear and they're quickly moving to produce what the word is sent to do. That's what they are. Ready to go. Power pack. It says, and there's one thing I wanted to add it. It wasn't there. I read this today and it was just amazing. Uh, you know that the Bible talks about the two-edged sword. We see that in the New Testament several times. So the, actually that word two-edged, when you go in the, in the Greek and you research, that phrase is made out of two words. And I might end up here. The two words is two Greek words and it means two mouth. Like if it was two mouth, okay? Now, if we go to Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is quick, it is powerful, and it is sharper than a two-edge. The word in there, the word in there is the rhema. So what does that mean? That means that I am in my prayer closet. And Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent next week. I don't know how I'm going to get this kid off drugs. Oh, Father, I don't know the job. They're talking about, you know, hiring more people, and I don't know. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Then all of a sudden that scripture comes and says, Oh, I will supply all your needs. Not some, but all your needs. According to my credit card? No, according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. The streets are in gold up there. Do you imagine? Can I just scratch a little bit? Oh, so that means that word God gave me. Whoa, that is a rema. I've seen it, but, but it's just different today. I heard, I mean, that, that's your rhema word. That's the word that God is giving you for that battle. And you hang on to that word. Well, it says two mouths, right? The first mouth is when it was spoken by God. God spoke that word. And he spoke it into your spirit and gave it to you like a rhema word. I got a rhema word in here. And then, and then as I keep pondering, Oh, like Joshua said, oh, meditate on my word day and night that you might make your way prosperous. Oh, and be courageous. Like Amelia said today, I'm courageous. And he says there, and then he's so bubbly inside of me. It bubbles so much that I go and I say, Whoa, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. My God is supplying that is the second mouth. The devil better run for his life. Hallelujah. That is a two-edged sword spoken by the Father. Rama in here, and then I speak it forth. The devil better run for his life because your needs are already taken care. Hallelujah. Okay, I got to close. I'm going to skip some things in here. The problem is that we, time, time is the problem we, you know, so, I mean, that's the topic, the time. It takes time to see the word. Okay? So it takes time. Uh, and then uh, you need faith and patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And then in my closing, I'm going to bring you two examples. And I will, you get out at, Pastor, you tell at eight. I'm going to shoot eight. Okay? Uh, there's two, two I want to bring. One is a Shunammite woman. And you don't have to look it. I'm just going to. Pinpoint. This woman, uh, she saw the prophet Elijah. He will come by. She said, you know, this prophet, this man of God comes by. I just want to do something for him. So she prepared a little room. He was there. He was so thankful. I mean, I guess like we feel at school, the teachers, when a kid says, oh, here, I had a candy bar. He said, whoa, a candy bar. Jesus, that's so awesome. A kid gave me a candy bar. Uh, you know, Kayla, right? So... You know, she was excited. And the prophet talked to Josiah, right? I hope I didn't kill the name. And he said, you know, what can I do for her? She's so great. I mean, she is awesome. She, I mean, she built us this little place that we'll have to be on the, by the creek over there. And he said, well, she don't have any children. So he went to her, Elijah prayed, and he said, you know, in the next season in life, whatever the times and the seasons you conceive, until I know play with me, man. Don't be playing with me. You know, you don't be playing with you know, yeah. So sure enough, she had her boy. But then time went by. And here's where I pick up in the probably around I didn't put the chapter, so you're gonna have to pardon for that. Don't tell Pastor that. Maybe he don't hear the tape. But it says, and she called unto her husband. The boy got, you know, he got sick. All of a sudden, he just popped down. 
And they, she had him. She, she immediately said to the husband, I'm going to look for the man of God. She was ready to plead her case. I'm going to the man of God because he said. Okay. So the husband says, where are you going? And she said unto him, it shall be well. That's a covenant woman. That's a covenant woman. It shall be well. She didn't say anything else. Then she took her horse, whatever. She went. Isaiah sees her. And the prophet said, oh my, she's coming. Go ask her if everything is well. Everybody's well. And he went and asked her. So she, he comes back in the verse 20. He says, um, in here, he says, and the husband, he said, well, with your child. And she answered, it is well. It is well. And then when she came to the man of God, she started to argue her case. She caught him by the feet, but Kesiah came and all this stuff. And he says, then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say? Did I not told you I don't want a kid? Okay. Don't play games with me. And he said, and then he told her, Oh, I'm sending my, I just a story, I'll put it in here. He said, I'm going to send my servant, Gazai, he's going to go, he's going to pray. And she said, she told him, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, you're in trouble, because your soul liveth too, I will not leave you. When you have a promise from God, you don't leave. You don't go anywhere because the devil said, you know, it's over. They, look, the truck people are coming. They're taking your stuff out of the house. The devil is a liar. Oh, the devil is a liar. If I had to put the stuff back in in the morning, I will, baby. But the Lord says, and she said, I will not leave. And he arose. And what did he do? He followed her because she knew her covenant. She knew what he had promised. And it says that when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. And he laid upon his bed, upon his bed. And he went, he shut the door, got everybody out, and he did what he knew how to do. And the man lived and gave the baby. That woman knew God had promised her that son. I didn't ask for it. You gave it to me. So if God promised he will do it. He has to raise him from the dead. He will. That business that didn't work, that business that you lost your money, God can turn it around. Either the same business or something better. I don't know, but he knows. And it's your duty to find. The last one, oh, I got four minutes. The last one is in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. And with this one, I'm closing. The Passion Translation. It says, one day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never, ever stop Pray, uh, stop or lose or lose hope. Let me put it in here. I can read. He's, he shared with them this illustration. In a certain town, there was a civil judge. Hmm. A thick skin and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading. She kept pleading her case before the judge. Grant me justice and protect me against my oppressors. If you know what you have, if you know your promise, don't stop. He says, he ignored her, please. He ignored her. What a fool. She was a widow and she had all the time in the world to come every day. He said, but she kept asking. She kept asking. 
She kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights. Do you have rights in the kingdom? You have rights in the kingdom. Use them. By his stripes, you were made whole over 2,000 years ago. He says, and I'm tired of listening to her. The devil will get tired of listening to you and shut up at some time because he's too proudful to hang around you when you're praising God, when you're quoting scriptures. He will leave. Even though I'm not a religious man and don't care about the opinion of others, I just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and I'll rule in her favor. The Lord continued, did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he will answer her persistent request. How is your request before God? Only when the bill comes in the mail? Only when the doctor gives you the report? Only when the pain strikes you and puts you in bed? Only when somebody said something? Hmm. Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all, that's all of us, all of his chosen ones who cry to him night and day. He will pour out his spirit upon them. I want his spirit. I want times of refreshing to come from the presence of the Lord. He says he will not delay the answer. I don't know the timing. I wish I could tell you. Some of you might be facing life and then I don't know. But he does. He does. And he's a loving father. Delayed you and give you what you asked for. God will give, God will give swift, meaning prompt justice to those who do not give up. So don't, so be ever praying. Ever expecting, ever, ever. I am always expecting a blessing. I don't care if it was a candy bar or a paper. A paper a kid threw in the floor. It was a paper. I got it. Okay? Just like the widow was with the judge. Yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? I think the King James says, will he find faith on the earth? And you know, some of you are believing God. And I'm reminded of that parable of the sword. I mean, the ones where he says that the blade, uh, it's, I don't have, King James, but I didn't put the place. He says that the fruit for every bringeth forth fruit of herself. First, the blade. You know, when you, I, I'm not a farmer, but I, I read a lot of stuff this week. So I could be a little educated. But he says the worst time when you plant the corn is when the blade comes up. Some of you have quit with God when the blade came up. That's, that's just the beginning. When you start seeing the first manifestation, when somebody said, man, what are you planning on doing when you, know, when you have to move? Maybe somebody going to want to bless you financially, but you have already given up. And the enemy comes and steal that blade. First the blade, then the ear. And then the full corn. All those are stages. Don't quit because, oh, I see the blade. It's done. Baloney, it's not done. The enemy is going to come to eat your snack. You cannot let him. you got to have, it's a fight. It's a life and death. And the word is the only thing that is going to keep him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. 
If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.